a few weeks in early spring, the only sounds that I heard were those of songbirds and sirens. The country battled to protect the NHS, save the lives of people struggling to breathe. The world was being forced to stop, pause and let the planet draw a collective breath. I'm Ros Miller, a mid-career medic who found herself disillusioned about healthcare in the UK long before the lockdown of 2020. Songbirds and Sirens is for anyone interested in the biggest challenges medics face today. How to practice the basic tenets of being a good doctor, simply caring for people safely, while simultaneously delivering the latest medical advances in a world of rapidly changing technology and instant gratification. From the highlands of Scotland to the hidden doors of Harley Street, I have found two consistent things. One, medics don't wake up in the morning thinking, today I'm going to do a bad job. Exactly the opposite. We want to help people, to have the time to care for our patients and to do our very best for them. And number two, patients, regardless of whether they are down and out or a dame, all crave exactly the same things. To be seen, to be heard, and to know that for a moment in time, at least someone cares. Songbirds and Sirens is the start of a conversation society needs to have with itself. For me, it's the chance to catch up with colleagues and some friends to find out how the last few months have changed their perspectives and influenced their values. So let me take you to November last year. What was life like for Mark Myerson at that point? Well, I was on the road for three weeks in November. Not healthy, but it certainly was stimulating. It was very fulfilling and gratifying. It was part of an ambitious plan to expand our global activity. That world has changed substantially. (laughs) Yeah. If I move forward to November of 2020, so one year later, we're still going to be on some sort of a lockdown. Mm. Regardless of where your first wave is spiking and where your second wave is beginning, we are still going to be on some form of lockdown, partly because of international travel restrictions, international travel uncertainty, safety. So... As I said, we have to change our model in the short term and continue to change that. My life is very, very different now. What's been the best bit of lockdown for you? Introspection. When was the last time you had a chance to really have an extended period of time to just pause and and be marked? Oh, never. Never pause and be Mark. Mark has never paused. I know. So what's been the most challenging bit for you personally, as opposed to with regards to the organization? Is unfortunately our finances. Like many other small nonprofits, we lost 90% of our funding for the year. And that placed an enormous strain on our resources, budget, and our planned activities for this year and next year. Who knows if and when that's going to recover and how creative we can be in the face of this economic uncertainty to 
meet this challenge. It's very, very difficult. These look at where our funds come from, whether it be from foundations, corporations, industry, individuals, family money, past patients, every single source has just shut down. And if not shut down, certainly with good reason, decreased, making things awfully stressful and difficult. That's the major challenge that we as a small nonprofit face. And I'm, and I'm sure that all nonprofits facing the same issue right now. I mean, over your career, you must have trained hundreds, if not thousands of doctors and surgeons, and they are scattered throughout all four corners of the world. Has the experience been generally the same for everybody everywhere? Yes and no. One thing that I've learned over the decades and with all my international travel prior to my humanitarian work is that there are very few countries in the world where orthopedic surgeons live a lifestyle as comfortable and economically rewarding as we do in the United States. There are some scattered examples. And one has to be very careful to compare what goes on in this country with other parts of the world where our friends and colleagues live very differently and have so forever because the economic opportunity is so limited in so many parts of the world. So the impact of COVID economically is very different. The impact of COVID on orthopedic practice is different in different parts of the world. And that has depended on how quickly uh, practice has been opened back up and reinitiated and hospitals have returned to subpar or whatever is acceptable. So life for our colleagues is very different in every country today and will continue to be for a long time. I don't think that one can generalize and extrapolate from the experience that you have in the UK to the US to anywhere in Africa, Latin America and Australasia. It's just completely different. So is your sense then that some places will open up and get going faster, quicker, better, or just different? No, I'm in constant contact with many of colleagues, friends, past fellows on a daily basis around the world. And I know who's doing what and who's back to work and who's limited. And even in countries where Hospitals are now open and have been so for three weeks and open to elective surgery. The efficiency level has decreased so much because of the impact of COVID on uh, personal protection, patient care, patient protection, so that the level of efficiency for surgical efficiency in the operating rooms has changed. And that's going to take a long time to reach normal, normalize. I don't know if ever 
that comes back to your question earlier. What's it going to look like? <laughs> That's very, very, very difficult. And there are many countries where surgeons have not yet returned to practice. Yeah, I know. I did a whole five operations last week, Way, which is, it's, do you think there's a risk of us losing our manual dexterity? No, no, never. I've often wondered about that personally. And I went from doing uh, approximately 1,000 surgeries annually, going back to about 2014, to doing a lot of surgery sporadically now, you don't lose it. <laughs> you just don't. Um, and you don't feel inhibited. You don't feel a lack of confidence. Unfortunately, you've either got it or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reality. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, you're an incredibly creative person. What have you been doing just to keep your hands active during lockdown? Well, in order to be creative, there are many things that I have done and would like to return to, one of which would be my interest in ceramics. Everything is closed. I've had to focus everything uh, on indoor activities. So I've had to keep my sanity with riding my bicycle, which fortunately is permitted, and various indoor exercises, including yoga, creative cooking, learning. I'm taking master classes on cooking. I've returned to study of languages to improve my language skills. But being creative is very limited right now. Okay. Have I you learned any language? I'm still busy with languages that I have spoken in the past, but have become a little rusty. And so five years from now, where does Mark Meyerson hope to be? And how does that life look? I would like to be the director of a foot and ankle institute in a large hospital setting, continuing with humanitarian service as in an executive position. I miss the hands-on teaching. I am afforded that on these humanitarian programs twice a month. But there's a limit to the number of programs that I can participate in because it's truly exhausting traveling internationally two weeks a month. And I can't do that. And I have to recognize that my goals have to change. I would like to be able to start something again and find a passion for and the energy for starting a new division in a new hospital somewhere. Okay. And then just finally off on a completely different tangent, if you could pick five people from present or the past that you could have for dinner and entertain with your fabulous cooking, who would it be and why? I will tell you that in another conversation, Rose. Okay. Ah. <laughs> I'll let you have a think about that. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, thank you very much. You're very uh, welcome, Rose. As always, always, it's a pleasure. Yeah. And fascinating to hear your insights. It's a very strange world. And I hope that we take the good forward. But there are elements of stuff that we all miss that we're desperate to get back to. 
Thank you for including me. No, it's been great. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. All the best. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. In a career that spans a decade as a consultant orthopaedic surgeon, working both in the National Health Service and the private sector, I've had the privilege of meeting and treating fascinating individuals from all walks of life, from single mums and factory workers to actors, business leaders and politicians, with the occasional lord and lady along the way. This moment in time has brought fear, but also hope, and most importantly, an intense desire for change. It's up to society, not politicians, not governing bodies, and not the media, to decide what our collective future should be. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to find out more, or if you would like to contribute to the conversation, please get in touch. Mm-hmm.